Live in Everett podcast, where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. My name is Garrett Hunt. And I am Tyler Chisholm. And I am producer Henry J. Thanks for joining us on episode number 105, which is brought to you by Milltown Credit Union. With spring around the corner, are you looking to improve your home but have no equity? Look to Milltown Credit Union's unsecured home improvement loan. You can learn more at milltowncu.org or visit them at 3201 Broadway. Okay, so on today's show, we're going to be uh, highlighting some events from the Weekly Goodness. We're going to talk about all the new development that's happening around town. I don't know if you all have noticed, but there are a ton of cranes in the air right now. Then we're going to have a chat with local kite surfer, Jeffra Rothenberg. And then we're going to play some Everett Community College trivia, which I believe Garrett is currently in the lead. So I'm hoping to catch up. Anyway, let's jump in. Let's take a look at some events happening around town from the Weekly Goodness, a weekly email newsletter we send out every single Monday. So uh, Tyler, what is your event pick of the week? Third annual tour to EFD at Everett Fire Station. Number one is what it says in the Weekly Goodness, but the tour to EFD is a bike ride where you tour all of the fire stations in Everett. It's put on by Everett Bike Walk, uh, organized by The Giant, Tyler Rourke, (laughs) Um, sponsored by Tim's Bike Shop, Bayside Bikes, Bicycle Centers, and Sharing Wheels. And so it is like a 22 and a half mile ride if you want to do all of the fire stations, but you totally don't have to. You can pick your route. All of the information is at everettbikewalk.org. Boom. I wish I could go. One of these years, I'm going to make it to that darned bicycle ride i just sold my bike to maxwell mooney from narrative coffee Ooh, oh. nice yeah. <laughs> um i should say it starts at 9 45 a.m nice cool how about you henry what's your uh, event pick of the week well gonna do the art walk of course it's nice. the third thursday of every single month and that's coming up tomorrow 6 p.m uh it's all over downtown everett just walk around look at cool stuff see some people it's always a, a good time. Usually Oliver L. Fermi has band practice on Thursdays. So we'll play for a little bit and then we'll go out, hit the town, usually go hang out at Jag, say hi to Jason, and then go to like Independent or Toggles and have a beer, call it a night. It's a good time. Sounds like a good use of a Thursday. Yeah, it's solid. What about you? I like it. Uh, so I'm going to share about uh, an Easter egg hunt, uh, egg scramble coming up this weekend at the Evergreen. Did you ever think about naming your daughter Easter egg? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the podcast is over. <laughs> I, I didn't, but uh, oh, maybe we'll have to think about getting it changed. I can't believe you never thought of that when we were brain- workshopping all those names. Easter egg hunt would have been a <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Keep that in mind. <laughs> and uh and this is my daughter easter egg hunt. <laughs> it would get very confusing one once a year <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry so yeah there's an easter egg hunt going on this weekend uh it's not my daughter it's an actual easter egg hunt uh at the evergreen arboretum and gardens what a fun beautiful place to go look for eggs um, you can find eggs, plant some seeds in the arboretum, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Saturday, 1 p.m., and it is free. Go check it out. Sweet deal. Uh, that, 
<laughs> Sorry. That's what we picked out this week for more details and to get the weekly goodness sent to your inbox every Monday. Just go to liveandever.com slash subscribe. I have no idea why that was that was so funny to me. <laughs> now Henry needs like a five minute break too. <laughs> All right, so on this week's Life in Everett, we're going to be talking about all of the new construction that is happening around Everett. There are a ton of cranes in the air, new things being built, some things being renovated, and uh, you know, I feel like we've been saying this. Some things being proposed, too. Oh, yeah, some things being proposed. Thank you for the clarification. I feel like for the last decade, we've been talking about Everett is changing, Everett's growing, Everett's growing, but I feel like it, we're like really feeling it right now, the growth and um, we're seeing a lot of new development. And so let's see who can name everything that is currently being built. So I made a small <laughs> list that is probably not everything, but, uh, yeah, there's like at least six or seven new, uh, projects in like various stages. So let's see if we can guess everything that's on your list. Okay. The new cocoon house. Yep. The new housing hope. Uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> New YMCA. Um, yeah. <laughs> that hole in the ground on like 34th and Broadway with the crane in it that nobody really knows what it is. Yep. That was one of them. The one that you mentioned this morning, which I'm sure is on your list, the one that's on like 37th and Evergreen. Uh, no, cause I don't know what it is. So oh. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> what about the courthouse? Uh, nope. See, there's tons of stuff I didn't even put on my list. What about the Colby by the Easy Mart? You got that yep. one on there? All yep. Right. 26 and Colby. Oh yeah. That's one of the proposed ones that we're going to talk about. And the, uh, the old YMCA. Oh yeah. Yeah. We heard mm-hmm. a rumor. This is just a rumor at this point, but we heard that the old Seattle YMCA has been purchased. Old, old Everett YMCA. Yeah. The old Everett YMCA. Um, and it's not the brick building it's like the brutalist architecture cube um apparently that is going to go and retail is going to go there but it's just a rumor i don't know if somebody can confirm it that'd be cool and the other rumor is is that they're keeping the original ymca from the 20s yeah the brick portion the old old brick portion will stay that's cool yeah that'd be nice so that's just the rumor i don't know if we can get somebody on record to talk about it but that would be really cool we can get that confirmed um and then just up the street a little bit on Colby and what is that? 26th. 26th. They're going to build a mixed-use mixed site. What there. is it called? Yeah, there's a proposal for it right now. I don't know what it's called, but it's uh, yeah, a mix of retail on the first floor, uh, office on some of the upper floors, and then they want to do nine two-bedroom condos on the uppermost floors. They're looking at an eight- to ten-story building overall, mm. and it'll go on the northwest corner at 26th and Colby there. Right now there's a big uh, parking lot next to, I think it's like the Easy Mart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the proposed site. And my written news did a story on it last week and they have a, a rendering of the building uh, with a lot of glass and like a snazzy looking like rooftop garden. And uh, yeah, so that'll be an interesting one. The one thing that kind of bums me out is that the rumor once again not confirmed speculation the easy mart might go away yeah in the rendering that they show in the picture it does look like the easy mart isn't there um so i don't know if that's actually the plan or not 
Um, but from the rendering, that's kind of what it makes it look like. I do love that, that place. We were talking about how it's like one of the best. Yeah, I really like that convenience store. I'm bummed. I don't go to convenience stores as often as I used to now that I don't partake in um, many vices like moon pies or cigarettes or Snickers bars or wine. Um, so I, I don't know the last time that I was in a mini mart, but I always really thought that the guy who owns that place is a really nice person. Yeah, he is hmm. for sure. So hopefully the easy mart stays, but that's really cool. The, the rendering, it's very, very modern. It reminds me of like a, like a, a rendering of a baseball stadium or a football stadium. You mm. know, it's, it's very sleek, a lot of glass. Um, I just hope that it, it, like whatever the finalized version is fits more in with downtown or maybe that's the vision for downtown. I don't know, but that might be like the first in many buildings that are going to look that way. But yeah, that's kind of my hope is that as ever continues to grow, we kind of think aesthetically. And I don't think it's modern in the way that like library place and arrow are modern. No, I really like Craig Scott dolls aesthetic, you know, like I like the way that those buildings look. I didn't really like the look of this new rendering of the building that we're talking about. It looks to me kind of like the kind of place where um, a person works, a man, and he wears a button-down shirt with a white collar and white sleeves and cufflinks. Yeah. (laughs) He throws his weight around, you know? It kind of had that kind of vibe. When you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then uh, another proposed possible new development, uh, the Herald did an article, I believe it was a couple weeks back, about the former Kmart site on Evergreen Way. Oh, that's right. Down by McDonald's, uh, a Bellevue developer, Devco, is uh, looking at ripping down the old Kmart and um, over time, uh, in stages, uh, building about 400 new uh, housing units. Uh, I believe apartments there at that location. And then just two miles south of there, also on Evergreen Way, there's an out-of-state developer looking at doing a 321-unit building for seniors. Um, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff in the works. A lot and, uh, of housing. Oh, yeah. The, the other one I forgot I was going to mention is that same uh, Bellevue developer looking at redoing uh, the old Kmart site. They're also the ones that are going to be doing a new uh, 203 unit building uh, on East Marine View Drive, the uh, 1600 block of East Marine View Drive over there. And they're, that one's already approved, I believe, and because had, it said they're breaking ground hmm. on that uh, later this year. You had mixed feelings about that one. I can't remember what the details were. Um, you know, some of these, I just think it's kind of interesting when they, they refer to you know, when they talk about affordable housing, and I think a lot of people think one thing when they hear those words, but then I think um, the different uh, programs have kind of different checkboxes of, of what that means. Um, and so, yeah, that one, I, I can't remember what the whole story was exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I did have some mixed feelings about that one. The one thing that I really like and appreciate about the Scott dolls is they live in the community and they're developing right. in the community and a lot of this new stuff, um, not so much like the new housing hope and the new cocoon house, but some of these larger housing units that are, you know, they're just a, somebody, they're part of a investment portfolio, you know, uh, where I feel like the market and profits or whatever are always going to be part of that sort of conversation and decision-making for improvements and how to run the thing. Right. 
what it means to the community. But I feel like the Scott Dolls invest a lot in just sort of like quality of life and amenities and put some vision into their properties. And it's because they live here, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, I do wish we had more local developers because this development's coming either way, right? And so I feel like the more local someone is, like more likely it's it's probably going to be something the community can be proud of longer term. I, I would put more stock in. Um, I, I do get a little nervous when it's like, you know, people that, that aren't from the, the community that are, you know, can only assume they're going to be that much more focused just on their own bottom line and the numbers and not have any real attachment to the place. Grand Avenue marketplace mm-hmm. is a shining example of that. How outside developer comes in, does, does some, I don't know, focus groups or whatever. And like, this is what this community needs. And then, you know, uh, farms and market disappeared in six months. So, yeah, it, it sort of begs another like bigger question is, Okay, there's like a lot of retail space that's still available in downtown Everett, and yet these out of state or out of the out of community like developers are investing in these and putting in retail, and that must that must uh, tells us something about the like speculations of Everett and that Everett is worth investing in. Right, I I just hope that it's you know that it's the right kind right because obviously farms and market failed so if the ymca there's going to be if that comes to fruition then there is retail what kind of retail same with the colby ave building mm-hmm. hopefully it's you know stuff that we that we need and that we would want yeah nothing against banks but no more banks yeah that'd be great no more pizza places downtown it may be one more no no more pizza. No, downtown. we got enough. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I don't know. Something um, something that we can go shop at would be super cool. Um, more more shopping, actual retail, not yeah, restaurants yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know, have you ever been to Bridge and Burn in Portland or like one of those kind of higher-end clothing boutiques? No. You know, they smell good. They have journals. They've got chukka boots and flannel shirts right, and right. incense and... $40 candles, plants, things like that. <laughs> I want, do you think something like that could eventually make it an Everett? Do you, or do you think it's just like a, we like want it cause it'd be cool. It'd be fun to browse, but nobody would ever buy anything. That's the way I feel yeah. about it is that I just don't think that the city is big enough to sustain something like that. Yeah. To sustain yeah. something so niche. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I guess that's the big question, right? Is like, if you're going to build these places and you're going to put retail in there, you got to play on the strengths of downtown. So Funko, pizza, hockey, I don't know what else. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Beer. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you play off those, those strengths? Totally. Yeah. I think there, there could certainly be some more staples in, in downtown, um, fresh flowers or just like basic, like everyday kind of needs, um, you know, like a, a drugstore or clothes or totally, um, you know, you don't really have those in like downtown proper. You gotta, gotta, uh, get out of town a little bit. Cheap but. housewares would be awesome. Like a Daiso or a, I don't know, like I'm trying to think like kind of like a, like a target, but not really a target. Like a Muji. Sure. I don't know what a Muji is. <laughs> I don't know either. But like Daiso is like the Japanese dollar store that's in the 
uh, Alderwin Mall. Oh, yeah. It used to be in the mall proper. Now it's like around there. But yeah, if you need like just like random stuff for your home and you don't want to spend a ton. Your in-laws are coming over and you're like, oh, crap, I don't have a single lamp. I need to get a lamp. Or it's like ice cube trays or like just like random stuff that you would need. A lot of like uh, uh, organizational tools, boxes, things like that. I hear you can get a lot of that stuff online on a website. I think it's called Amazon. That is true, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's more I'm, expensive. Yeah. yeah. I would love to be able to buy everything local and be like, you know what? I need a pair of slippers. And then instead of going to like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just fire up the old Amazon and order some slippers to be able to be like, oh, you know what? There's a, there's a store downtown. I'm just going to ride my bike and I'm just going to ride my bike over to slipper. Go get, go get some slippers. Slippers were a bad example, but good old slipper Mart bring slipper Mart here. And then, uh, shuffling those slippers back to the new development here. Wow. So, uh, wow. Wow. Master well, of segways. What was the Segway one year? Well, so, uh, so yeah, hope workstation is under construction. They got a crane up. It's well underway on Broadway there. What's the one across the street from there? Nope. That, Nobody knows. Uh, right. I did get a text from somebody and was told that it is a senior, that it's senior housing. Senior housing. Okay. And my source was reliable. And that's the hole in the ground with the crane in it right now that you can see from like pretty much anywhere. It's the yellow crane Mm, on Broadway. You know what? I'm not real well versed in what colored crane is in what hole, but I think that it (laughs) is. Come on, Tyler. It's the one that you can. It's the one that isn't Housing Hope on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, if you step out here and look. You it's the construction totally site it. on Broadway that's more of a hole than a building. Yeah, it's by the love zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the new uh, Cocoon House building on Colby at uh, 3530 Colby actually opens this week. What? Wow, they crazy. The, uh, the grand opening. Oh, my gosh. Congrats it, to Cocoon uh, House. I feel like we were just talking about that the other Well, I guess it was two years ago <laughs> now. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yep. Man. Yeah, I believe it is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow the 18th. Um, so Did yeah, we not get invited of, to the grand opening? Um, I know I got something in the mail the other week. Mm. Maybe you just didn't get invited. I never get invited anywhere anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to donate a bunch of money. And then they'll they'll <laughs> did, make sure to did, always invite you. Didn't you guys win an award on Monday? Didn't that happen? Mm. Oh, yeah. We're pre-recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the award ceremony it, it is It did happen, is but hasn't tonight. happened. Yeah. yeah, it's actually tonight. Uh, yeah, I feel bad actually. I was a poor planner and I forgot to bring that up on last week's podcast. So, my bad. I'm not used to these Monday events. Well, let's pat ourselves on the back. Ray. Go team. I was texting Carol Thomas about the Mayor's Arts Awards earlier and I, I told her that I'd be arriving by horse drawn carriage. So, please have somebody who knows how to park a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, regardless, let us know what you think of all this new construction and development going on around town. We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line through social media or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. The Women's Wellness Center is the only women's nonprofit gym facility in the county. They're having a membership drive now through May with special rates. Schedule a tour today at 425-259-9899 or go to womenswellnesscenter.org for more information. Hey guys, we are here with Jeffro from Urban Surf Kiteboarding. Uh, thanks for being here today, Jeffro. How you doing? Good. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to talk about some kiteboarding. Um, how did you first get into kiteboarding? Uh, I used to be a little bit into windsurfing when I was younger and, uh, became an instructor for that. And as soon as I kind of started teaching that was around the early two thousands, we started seeing our first kites on the water when it was windy asking, what are these guys doing? So I first started getting into that probably about 18 years ago at this point, uh, in early two thousands. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun ever since. And was that here in Everett or? Um, actually in Seattle, uh, between Seattle and like Hood River, the Gorge area, pretty popular. Uh, Everett wasn't really known as a spot to go quite yet in the early days of kiteboarding. So what's the difference between windsurfing and kiteboarding? Windsurfing, you're on a large board, uh, maybe like a stand-up paddleboard, and you have a sail in your hand, basically, uh, kind of like a sailboat sail. Right. Where uh, kiteboarding is you're on a much smaller board, so it's maybe half the size of the board, but twice the size of the sail, and the sail is about 100 feet away from you in the air in the form of a kite. That seems very intimidating <clears throat> to be controlling this giant kite. You know, you're kind of like, I guess, a little bit at the at the mercy of the wind. It's twice the it's twice the power, twice the fun, I'd say. But a little bit of safety, you kind of know how to manage this uh, wild wild horses. You're con controlling yourself too. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you have to have a pretty darn good understanding of how the wind works and just controlling a, a sail. I think that's the part I would struggle with. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I tell a lot of people getting into it, it's kind of like three sports in one. It's a sailing sport, it's a board sport, it's sometimes an aerial sport where you go airborne a little bit, but you have control over those things, and the more knowledge you have about all those sports help you kind of master it, and once you do, it's kind of three times as fun as any sport that I've ever done, so. So, so you run Urban Surf? Yeah, Urban Surf kiteboarding side for the lessons up here in Everett. So how do, how do people, like, how do you get people acclimated to, I'm sure it's not just like, here's, here's a sale and here's a board. We'll, we'll teach you something. And in 15 minutes, you got it. It seems like there's a kind of a steep learning curve to this. Yeah. A little bit like for around here, we've compared it, you know, for years to the, uh, learning curve versus skiing versus snowboarding, maybe where the initial learning curve is a little bit steeper, uh, learning to snowboard, but you kind of master it, you know, and get good and get, get to the fun stuff pretty early. Kiteboarding is pretty similar where you have to kind of learn the basics and the safety. It's probably 80% learning to fly the kite and maybe 20% riding the board. If you can't fly the kite and learn how to control that safely, you're not going to be getting pulled around on the board as well. So. And I know this is probably super different for everybody, but what would you say on average, how long does it take somebody to kind of figure out the basics and to be able to kind of get started? Yeah, to start, you know, we think of that stage as like starting to practice and do it on your own um, after you've had the initial lessons and training to kind of know if you're at that caliber. It definitely depends on the individual and their makeup and, you know, how much time they have as well. But anywhere between eight to maybe some people with 20 plus hours of supervised instruction with a, you know, with an experienced trainer that knows what they're doing and gets can get you out there on good days, different days. And, and that's kind of ultimately what makes you an independent kiteboarder is getting out there on the water. That's not too bad. I yeah. thought it'd be like way more intensive. Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends uh, what you come in with. The more people prepare in advance, either reading up on material, uh, or training with a small land-based training kite, they can really accelerate through the learning curve. Um, and our spot at Jetty Island in particular, <clears throat> it's kind of like the bunny slope of kiteboarding around here. So it's pretty easy to learn the basics as long as you then 
know when to go. <laughs> bunny slope of kiteboarding. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That sounds inviting. Mm-hmm. So is Jetty Island a good place to kiteboard? Um, it really is uh, for a couple reasons. In the spring and summer, we start to get high pressure those sunny days, and we'll get what's called that afternoon sea breeze that sailors have been riding for years. Uh, the kites are much more efficient than like a windsurfing board. Um, so we get them up a little bit higher in the sky. Out at Jetty Island, we get that afternoon sea breeze almost every day. We get sunny weather and high pressure kind of sitting around. So from, uh, you know, even this time of year, April through August, we're getting good good winds in the afternoon until the evening time to kind of train, get out there. It's also shallow water, too. So that helps uh, people kind of learn, stand up, try it again. Um, it kind of the wind direction also is prevailing kind of side onshore. So if something happens, you kind of get pushed back to Jetty Island rather than out to sea or to a military <laughs> base. Or <laughs> and now, as far as places you can kiteboard in, I guess we'll say like the Northwest is Jetty Island. Um, like, is there a lot of different places you can do it, or is Jetty Island like kind of a in particular like a special? place, I guess. That's a good question. Um, definitely within the waterways of the Puget Sound, depending on the direction of the wind uh, and the strength of the wind, there will be what I'd say different beaches that kind of light up on kiteboarders' radars. They're kind of, okay, today we're going at this beach because the wind's going at this direction. So if you think about around the Puget Sound, there's a lot of opportunities to do that. And that's for that reason, people do ride year round around here. Um, as far as Jetty Island, it really only happens kind of in the spring and summertime off of one kind of northwest wind direction, basically. But yeah, there's plenty of other spots to ride and plenty of other directions to ride in around here. Um, Jetty Island is unique um, in that it's kind of that island that's just offshore, so it, it's a little bit more challenging to get to. But it, I'd say it also keeps the crowds down as well, so there's not boaters and a bunch of other people out there all the time, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's going to kind of be crazy. Like navigating around other people, like enjoying the beach and you have this giant sail coming through, you know, you're uh, how, how fast can you get on, on one of these? Um, that's a good fun question too. Cause now they're starting to race with the foil boards, uh, oh which boy. is a hydrofoil that comes up out of the water. And that's probably what we'll see in the Olympics here, uh, in maybe 2024, they'll be going for oh, wow. cool. taking over the windsurfing, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're reaching speeds up around 50 miles an hour, you know, and things like wow. that. So that's gnarly. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. For most of us on the water, it feels like that, but maybe we're not going that fast. But yeah, we're, we're kind of conscious about if there's people in the water or you can imagine a Miami beach situation where there's tons of people. Jetty Island's kind of a perfect balance of not too many and everybody kind of had to get over there. And so there's kind of room for everybody over there. So what, what, um, moving back to like to urban surf, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you offer somebody like somebody calls you up and is like, Hey, I want to learn this. What are some of the steps? What are some of the, I guess, programs or training that you offer? Um, there's some people that are just looking to try it. Other people that have been, you know, you know, frothing to do this for a long time and they've been looked, looked into it and everything. Um, so it's just trying to match what their needs are. And our, our lessons are pretty much tailored to people's, you know, wherever they're coming in at. We do offer kind of a basic introduction lesson for a hundred bucks. We do that every, um, every other Sunday at our retail shop in Seattle. We're starting to do some of those up here. Um, that's just a land lesson, get uh, land training kite in your hands uh, and, and be able to ask some more questions to an experienced instructor like myself or one of our staff. Um, beyond that, your first day where we try to get you out at Jetty Island, it's just shallow water training as we call it. Um, 
that stuff is uh, basically charged by the hour. Right now, our rates are $125 an hour. And typically, you're going for about two, maybe three hours uh, for a session but before you're tired or the wind is tired, basically. So um, you go out three, four times. You're thinking probably about starting the board. You're maybe getting on the board. And after that, if you want to go into deep water, we use the our jet skis to tow you out and uh, get a little more experience to follow you around and away from the crowds and away from other riders. But yeah, it's a nice place to learn because it's shallow water and then we have the option to go deep water uh, as people progress. And then for those lessons, do people need to supply their own equipment or do you guys have an option to uh, like rent that as well? All good questions. I always forget these things, but this is the type of sport where you're not going to have the right equipment getting into it. So that's where the lessons also pay off is you're with a certified trained individual that knows what they're doing and all the right equipment to put you on and put you in. So everything from uh, harness, helmet, vest, you know, uh, to the kite, the board and the bar and everything else for the day and, and the strength of the wind too. So that's what you're relying on the instructor to do is call is it going to be windy enough and what's it going to be because this it's kind of a sport that's determined by mother nature mm-hmm. so speaking of mother nature um you're talking that people can can do this year round here mm-hmm. in the pacific northwest what is the craziest weather you've ever kiteboarded in has there been something where you're just like you get out there and you're just like this is a bad idea but i have no choice you know yeah yeah i mean i think you always have a choice and definitely our kiteboarding community is uh vigilant on uh, stoking people up and getting them excited to get out there but in the winter uh, things do change and it's uh, a lot more intensity in the storm so people just like in the snow community are warning people that are new to the sport hey maybe live to kite another day today or go out and watch some of the other people or watch it like that. But some of the most extreme conditions I've experienced here in the Puget Sound have been on, you know, stormy over, you know, storm over a, you know, 24 hour period, as well as high tides. When we have the combination of high tides and a storm and a lot of flood water, you have end up with a lot of debris in the water. Mm. Um, bad for docks, bad for, so it may seem good for riding because you haven't been out in a while, but it's one of the times I've been, oh, okay, right. <laughs> maybe I could wait this one out and, you know, I can check that one off my bucket list, maybe road with logs, right. um, but not, not the most ideal day to progress as a rider, uh, or your skills or your tricks or anything like that. So, uh, it's nice to have a community that's aware of that stuff too. So <laughs> I'm curious what it feels like to kiteboard. Like what's that sensation when you're getting pulled by the wind and lifted way up in the air i mean it just it looks amazing when i'm watching it but what's it actually feel like yeah we try to make sure our instructors every year are kind of remembering what it felt like when they were on the learning curve and some of those early steps of just even flying the kite for the first time getting pulled around through the water without the board even for the first time there's lots of kind of exciting milestones along the way of this journey to become a kiteboarder and even me, you know, 18 years in, I'm still kind of learning and excited about, you know, this new feeling or trying a new trick or this new thing. Uh, but overall, the initial things that you feel are just kind of freedom out there. Once you learn to control this kite and it's not controlling you, you can kind of tell it and the board to manipulate this invisible force to kind of take you wherever you want. So the touring aspect of being able to ride around the Puget Sound or other places and look where, look where I put myself, I put myself out here or, you know, I'm riding in front of this Mayan pyramid or whatever else. So the travel and the, the feeling of just touring with it and everything is, is 
I'd say pure freedom. There's the sailing side of where, okay, I'm sailing. And then there's the flight side as well, where I get to jump or do some technical trick as well, like as technical as a wakeboarder or something if I want. So, um, like I said, there's, I'm still learning and there's many facets of the sport to just, you know, keep trying and keep challenging yourself. So I love it still. <laughs> Very cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Hard to kind of put all into one, like, what does it feel like? Cause I think it feels a lot, a lot different for a lot of different people basically. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> cool. Well, I'm excited. I need to, I need to get out there one of these years and, and learn it. It just yeah. looks amazing. I always get a kick out of watching, um, everyone down there at Jetty Island. It just looks fantastic. Uh, anything, uh, else you wanted to ask Henry before we, we sign out here? No, I'll watch you though. Garrett's, yeah. the, Garrett's the action sports We'll get guy. Garrett out there. Well, yeah. I've, I've skateboarded for over 20 years, but, uh, got the board I've, side. I've, I've never surfed and, uh, I've never sailed. So I'll have mm. a bit, a bit of a learning curve. Though. No bad habits to start with. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, that's what we like to, <laughs> that's a good way to look yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you got to book soon. Cause definitely we start booking up, uh, almost four weeks out by, by the time we get to about June, June, July are kind of our peak months, but we open May 1st for on water lessons at this point. So, and where can people book, um, booking online, online booking is now open at urban surf So there's a calendar with our instructors availability. And then, uh, if you're struggling to figure out what level or what course might be right for you, just email us and we'll try to, you know, evaluate your level and get you, get you started with where you need to go. Awesome. I love it. Right Good on. stuff. You're next. Yeah. Well, I, I got an eight month old right now, so a <laughs> little, little bit extra busy, right? Maybe next year though. Priorities. Yeah. Priorities. In. Yeah. <laughs> but one of these days. Gonna Good. Try make Good. It out, yeah. So. yeah. Make sure you have some time. We'll get you going. There we go. All right. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. It is time for Everett Trivia. We are running down questions about Everett Community College, which Garrett has a healthy lead. I forgot to check before we started recording, but I think you're up like five to two, I want to say. Marvelous. Garrett did work at Everett Community College for a long time and went to school there for a really long time. That is true. Excuses, (laughs) excuses. Hey, well, you, you live right next to every community college, so come on, get with the program now. That's true. I'm getting schooled on this one. Uh, first question. EVCC's ORCA program is a an early college academy for running start students that uses the local marine environment as a unifying theme. B, an ongoing scientific study about the health of Puget Sound for whales and other wildlife. C, a series of classes teaching sailing and diving. Uh, there is no D. So that's all that you get, A, B, or C. Wait a minute. There's no all of the above? There's no all of the above. Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure when I went to EVCC, I had an ORCA card. <laughs> Completely different. Completely that's, different. That's I think. for the bus. I was hoping that that's, this was, that's, that's, that's where this um, was going. So the ORCA program is um, it's an early college ac- academy for running start students about the marine environment. It's a ongoing scientific study about the health of Puget Sound for whales and other wildlife, or it's a series of classes teaching sailing and diving. A, B, Got it. C. I really do not know this one. Well, I am guessing A. What do you I'm say, also guessing A. It is A. Whew. An early college academy, which is really cool. They have their own boat. Wow. And they like go out on vessels. What's the boat called? Um, I don't know. The fair, Bodie McBoatface? <laughs> the fair, the, yeah, Bodie McBoatface. 
What are EVCC's school colors? This should be easy. Purple and gold, hopefully not. Red and white. Silver and blue or crimson and gray, which is fine colors. Way better than purple and gold. Who would ever want that, those to be school colors? Disgusting. Disgusting. I mean, this is no dig on the Huskies, but I do think purple and gold are really ugly colors together. I'm indifferent to the whole Husky Cougar thing for the record. I'm I'm in it. I'm a Trojan through and through. And because of that, I know the answer to this. What it, is it, Tyler? The answer is D, crimson and gray. I said red and white. It's red and white. Crimson and gray is the colors of the Washington State Cougars. Go Cougs. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I think I had it reversed. I thought red and white were Cougar colors. Dude, you totally whiffed it. I did totally whiff it. I came in so, like... <laughs> proud and thought I was right but you know what I had an EVCC shirt and it was crimson and gray but it might have just been red printed on a heather gray t-shirt could have been that but yeah the school colors are red and white um which well-known politician spoke at EVCC during his run for president Robert F. Kennedy John F. Kennedy Bob Dole or Al Gore wow Robert Kennedy John F. Bobby D. Algie. It is not who I thought it was going to be. The person who I thought it was isn't even in the list. Who do you think it was? Um, Henry M. Jackson. Oh. Interesting. I'm ready. All right. I'm going to guess. Get your guess. Bobby Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy. Yes. Tyler coming back. No, it was a Kennedy. Damn. All right. That's a tie, right? Um, yeah. No. For this, for this oh, round. Yeah. 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 That's a tie. Yeah, for this round. Um, yeah. Garrett still has the lead, though. So we'll see what happens next week. I cannot believe they <laughs> got <laughs> the colors of the school wrong. You live a block away. I mean, to be fair, crimson and white and red and gray are kind of the same colors. No, you still got them wrong. It's red and white and crimson and gray. <laughs> oh, okay. Damn. Um, well, it's been a long day. That's okay. Well, Wazoo is on that campus now, so, you know. Oh, yeah. Help support Live in Everett with a donation to our Patreon. Even a dollar a month helps us deliver stories, videos, and this podcast about the good things in Everett every single week. Want to know more? Head over to patreon.com slash live in Everett to donate today and help support Live in Everett. And thank you so much for hanging out on the Live in Everett podcast. Oh, by the way, about Patreon, um, whatever we're doing with the podcast, we alluded to it last week. What we're doing with the podcast is almost sold out. So... Um, if you're not a patron and you want to know what that means, you want to be involved in whatever we're doing with the podcast, patreon.com slash live in Everett, go there, donate even a buck and you'll know what we're doing behind the scenes. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please help others discover it as well by subscribing on Apple podcasts and now Spotify. We are on Spotify. Leave a review. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can contact us podcast at live or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to Jeffro Rothenberg, Oliver Farmy for our theme music and to our producer, Henry J. Good things happen in Everett because of you. So thanks so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great week, everyone. This is why we're ever till the grave.